Thank you for tuning in to this week's message. For more information about Connections Church, you can go to connectionschurch.church or follow us on Facebook and Instagram. Not a theologian. Hadn't heard that one before. Welcome again to Connections, and I hope you've got your Bibles with you this morning. We're going to take a little trek. But before I do that, can I pastor for just a minute? Some parts of the assignment, and that's what this is, it's not a job, it's an assignment. There's some parts of the assignment I don't like. Those of you that have been in ministry before, and I'm just looking out over the audience very, very quickly this morning, there's at least three, if not more, people here have been pastors of churches. So they understand the assignment. And they understand doing the things that you don't like to do. But before we get into the content of the message this morning, God's been forcing me to come up here and give you a warning. This comes from a pastor's heart, one of your pastors. He is looking for a bride that is prepared and it is without spot or wrinkle. Holy is still holy. That has not changed. It does not matter what political system we put in place. It doesn't matter what laws we pass. God's holiness still means holiness. And that's what He's looking for. When He returns, and I believe that day is imminent, when the trumpet sounds, And he calls his church home. He calls his bride home. He's looking for people who were looking for him, who were prepared for him, who were expecting his return. And some of you, I'm trying not to look at any one of you specifically in the eyeballs this morning. (laughs) Because I'm still wrestling with what he told me to tell you, but some of you are living like hell all week long. We are called. We have been chosen. We are God's people. And the commandments of this book still apply to our lives. That's it. I delivered. In the Old Testament, there was a system that was put in place by God Himself. And if we go back and look in our Bibles at the beginning, we see that in the Old Testament, we've got this system of laws that God instructed and He gave people. He gave to us. He gave to the Israelites. He gave to the Hebrews. It was a system of laws and it was a system of Sacrifices. I want you to hear that word this morning. Sacrifices. They had to bring these sacrifices to the tabernacle and later to the temple. There were different kinds of sacrifices that they had to bring. And they had to bring those sacrifices for different reasons. There were burnt offerings, burnt sacrifices. That was a a voluntary act of worship 
to express devotion or commitment to God. That's why you would bring a burnt sacrifice. It was also used as an atonement for unintentional sin. I love that. Unintentional sin, you would, you would bring this burnt sacrifice. The, the elements of the, of the burnt offering were a bull or a bird or a ram without blemish. And the meat and bones and organs of the animal were to be totally burnt. And this was God's portion. All of it. If you brought a burnt offering, a burnt sacrifice, all of it was burnt. And it was burnt for God. That was His portion. Another type of sacrifice was a grain offering. A grain offering. The fruit of the field was offered in the form of a cake. They, they made a cake together with some, some grains and some flowers and some oil and some salt. And they put that together and they brought that to the tabernacle or the temple. The purpose of the grain offering was to express thanksgiving in recognition of God's provision and unmerited goodwill towards the person making the sacrifice You brought a grain offering this morning. You came and you said, I want to give thanks to God for the provision that He has given me. Another type of offering or sacrifice was a peace offering. Peace offering. It consisted of an unblemished animal from the worshiper's fields or various grains that the worshiper or the sacrificer would have in their possession. And they brought those, were just a little hot, this morning on the ears, Jesse. They brought those to the tabernacle or the temple. And depending on their financial status, they would decide what, what they were bringing. Maybe they could afford to bring a bull. Maybe they could only afford to bring grain. Whatever it was, they would bring that as a, a peace offering. So there was different types of sacrifices. And those sacrifices will, were pulled from their own herd or their own cattle or their own storehouses, or the sacrifices were purchased on their way to the tabernacle. We've talked in weeks past about the the economic system that was built around this system of sacrifice. So if you didn't have what you needed on your way to the tabernacle, you could stop and purchase your offering to bring. Now, once a person arrived at the tabernacle or at the temple, their sacrifice was offered to God by priests who were employed there, priests and the workers that were there at the tabernacle. And I I love to to go through the Old Testament tabernacle uh, gates. Uh, What does the gate mean? What what are the pieces inside the courtyard and then inside the, the holy place and the holy of holies where no one could go but the high priest one time a year? But they brought those in and your sacrifice, you handed over to a priest or a worker there and they sacrificed that to God on your behalf. So these people who either bought or brought their sacrifices to the temple, in almost all instances it it was an animal, those animals were killed. The, The blood was literally drained from the neck of the animal and then the animal was cut up and placed on the altar and burnt. For some of the sacrifices, part of the animal was eaten by the priests and the people who worked there. That was their pay. That was the way that they were taken care of for the employment, for the job that they were doing in God's system. Some of it was given to those who were less fortunate. The smell of each sacrifice 
rose off of the altar while it was burning to the very nostrils of God. Sixteen times in the book of Leviticus, and I know all of you read through Leviticus last, last week. You love it. Sixteen times in the book of Leviticus, it mentions the aroma, the pleasing aroma of a sacrifice reaching the nostrils of God. You say, Pastor, I'm not really following this morning. I thought we were in the DIY together study. Bear with me. Just hang on. You say, well, I don't really get into the Old Testament stuff and I don't really understand all that, so I just kind of skip over and I start in Matthew. Just hang with me. We'll get there. You say, well, I don't really have any reason to read the Old Testament. That was for somebody else. We can make that argument. But I just gave you a reason to read the Old Testament, to look at the Old Testament, to look at the things that are going on there and to understand them. And here is what we see. The sacrificial system that God installed to His people and required them to follow through with was there because it pleased Him. Now, I had never thought about this and had never seen this and had never pondered this until this week. But it just pleased God. Like I said, 16 times in the book of Leviticus, it says that as those sacrifices were burning on that altar, that smell reached his nostrils, and God was pleased with the aroma. He likes it. Now that opened up an entire thought process for me this week. Who is this God that I serve that's pleased with this? And why am I concerned with what pleases Him? But God was pleased with these sacrifices. Now watch this. Let's go to the New Testament. I want to go to Hebrews chapter 13. I'm going to give you 10 seconds to get there. Oh look, there it is. Hebrews chapter 13, verses 15 and 16. Read it with me. Through Jesus, therefore, let us continually offer to God a sacrifice of praise. There's that word, sacrifice. The fruit of lips that openly professes His name. And do not forget to do good and to share with others for with such sacrifices, God is pleased. Now this blew my mind when I read this because... In another version of this, it says, therefore, by Him. Do you see that? Therefore, by Him, it says, let us offer this sacrifice. See, we can't even do this thing on our own. It's only by Him, by His strength, by His courage, by His power, that we can even offer a sacrifice. Amen? Some of you have been through some things this week that you maybe had anticipated would happen at some point, but they've been hard and you didn't get through them by your strength, your will, your determination. You got through them by Him. See, it's His power in us that allows us to offer the sacrifice of praise and the fruit of our lips, giving thanks to who? To His name. We like to thank people, and it's great to have manners, and we were taught that when we were just itty bitties. Oh, say thank you. Thank you. 
I got one now that's just two years old and his mama just, I saw her yesterday and he was there at my house and, and Nani gave him something and mommy said, say thank you. He said, thank you. We're taught real little. We've got to say thank you. We have to give that back when someone gives us something. See, it's thanks to his name. That's who we're thanking. That's who we're praising. And that conjunction in there, and. Don't overlook the conjunctions in Scripture. Don't overlook those insignificant words like and, because they mean something. He says, offer the praises of your, your lips and the fruit of our lips, giving thanks to his name, and, as it continues, do not forget to do good and to share with others. For with such sacrifices, God is pleased. Share is the word of the day. Write that down. Share is what we're talking about in this DIY series here on week two, is to share with others. It pleases God. Now, as I sat and pondered this, this whole thing this week, does anybody else sit and ponder? Do you just get lost sometimes pondering? And, and then you end up and something's on TV and your attention and you, it's like a squirrel and you're gone. But I, I sat and I pondered all of this this morning and I thought, well, if I get up there and I try to make a parallel between the sacrificial system of animal sacrifice and worship out of the Old Testament and this verse in Hebrews, these people will think I'm nuts. But I really don't care what you think. You see, because it was good for me. So I figured it would be good for you. What in the world can these two things that seem to be so completely opposite have in common? Here it is. They both please God. The animal sacrificial system He put in place pleased Him. The aroma pleased Him. When we do good works, we just read in that verse in Hebrews, and we share with others, it pleases God. Did I just connect the dots for you? Are you with me? So then I said, self, what are some other ways that I can share and please God? I've got a short list for you. Are you ready? I'm sorry? Okay, you are here. Number one, I can share my story or my testimony. Write that down. Now, Paul, one of my favorite authors, yours too, Mr. New Testament, Paul shared his story in the courtroom of King Agrippa in Acts chapter 26. How many of you know where that's at? Oh, I love this because King Agrippa says, why don't you stand up and tell us your story? And Paul, not hesitating, in my mind at least, jumped out of his seat and said, let me tell you. And he tells him the whole story. I'm on the road. And then there was a light and I fell off my horse and I was blind for three days and I went to dude's house. And the whole conversion story, he gives the whole thing right there. And King Agrippa, whose courtroom Paul's standing in, after he told his story, says these words, Paul, you almost persuaded me to become a Christian. I love that. He had no intention of hearing Paul's story in that way, but he was so involved in Paul's story. Paul made it so real to him. Why? Because Paul had lived it out, and he had been converted, and he had been changed, and he tells the story, and King Agrippa goes, Paul, you almost got me, bro. You almost convinced me to become a Christian. 
Last month during our Easter study, our story, many of you told your story on screen, and we got to see those, and those are posted on our website for those of you who missed it. And we got to hear your story, or a piece of your story. We got to hear who you are. It's a piece of your testimony. It's what God has done in your life. And they were powerful. So let me ask you a question this morning. What's your story, and have you shared it? Because your story, your testimony, what God is doing and has done in your life is a powerful tool. Amen? Number two, knowledge. You can share knowledge. Now, some of you are way smarter than I am. I get that. Some of you are theologians. Not like our fella in the video. And you know way more than I do. But are you sharing that knowledge? Who are you pouring into? Wouldn't it be great if you spent some time intentionally pouring that knowledge into some other people? Who are you sharing your knowledge with? Number three, wisdom. Now, you know the difference between wisdom and knowledge, right? See, knowledge is knowing stuff, but wisdom is being able to discern the right knowledge stuff and the wrong knowledge stuff. Have you ever learned anything that was wrong? It took you a second to figure out something you've learned that was wrong, right? One of my sisters told me that I was allowed to hit the other sister. That's knowledge. Wisdom came after I got in trouble for hitting her that that was not allowed. Discernment. That was a long time ago, y'all. I didn't hit him last week, okay? We were in the backseat of the 76 Impala, okay? It's okay. Wisdom and knowledge. What if you shared wisdom with someone else? What if there was someone who was a lesser age than you that hadn't walked the paths you've walked, that hasn't experienced the things you've experienced, and you could impart wisdom to them? Sharing that wisdom would be a powerful tool for you. Number four, what if you shared your heart? I'm not talking about literally, because then you wouldn't be here, right? I'm talking about pouring out what's inside you. What, what makes you tick? One of the things that I love to do when people come to visit Connections Church and they're, they're here for a little bit is to, is to go have a meal or go have a cup of coffee and sit down and hear their heart. Well, it always starts out with, man, hasn't it been hot lately? Man, it's just burning up outside. Yeah, I mean, air conditioner broke at the house. Yeah, how's the kids? Everything's great. You got three kids? Yep, nope, we got six. Oh, wow. And you're going to need a minivan. And all of, you know, and, but then it gets to the point, and say, tell me about you. And people open up. Have you ever noticed? T tell me who you are. T how did you come to the church? What's going on in your life? And boom, they pour out their heart. What makes you tick? What, what gets you excited about ministry? What, what makes you excited about God? And here it comes. They pour out their heart. What if you shared your heart with some other people? You say, well, Peace God, i got some stuff going on. I'm not, I'm not asking you to open up and put it out on Facebook. I'm talking about, and this is something that maybe we're missing in our culture. Sit down and have a conversation, right? Put the cell phone somewhere else. Turn off the TV. Share your heart with somebody, and out of the abundance of your heart, they will know you and you will know them. Number five, hurts and failures. Hurts and failures. What if you shared your hurts and failures with somebody else? What if I told you this morning, it's okay to share your hurts and failures? 
Wouldn't that be great? Wouldn't that be freeing? Wouldn't that be a relief to somebody this morning who's been holding that inside and, man, I'm just, oh, I, just share that with somebody. Now, don't share it with the wrong person. Warning. If you have a relationship with somebody who has shared with you and you've shared with them and there's trust there and there's some things in your life that you need to share, why don't you share some hurts and failures with somebody else? Not just to get them to sympathize with you, but so that they can understand who you are so that the, there's a barrier that then is broken. What if you release that? Wouldn't that feel good this morning? And sharing your failures can benefit them because why would I not want to show somebody where I have fallen? Why would I not want to show the person coming behind me where I've slipped and I've made mistakes to prevent them from making the same thing? It's okay to say amen to that. Number six, joy. What if you shared joy? Now, we've done some of that this morning. Because thank God there are people here and all of you here that love to come and worship God and show your joy and show your passion. And, and as the old saying goes, misery loves company. You've heard that. So does joy. So do people with joy. I, I love to, to be in the presence of people who are joyful, who, who feel a passion about what they're doing. As the, if the Lord has been good to you, tell somebody. Amen? You're going to hold that inside and just bundle that up and maybe over in the... I don't, I don't know how this would happen, but you're in your closet and you're all by yourself and you're just in there joyful. That's weird. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I've done that too shouted from the inside of the closet to where people thought something was happening and going on inside there. But I'm saying also, share that joy with somebody else. Let them know what God's done for you. Number seven, are you following? Gifts and talents. Gifts and talents. Share your gifts and talents. This is a congregation of people who have so many gifts and talents. Every time one of these singers or or folks that plays instruments comes up here and strums a guitar or opens their mouth, I'm blown away what God has sent our way. And I'm not just talking about people who are musically inclined. I'm talking about people who can teach, people who can pray the house down, people who can minister one-on-one -on -one to other people and say, tell me what's going on in your life. Let me pray with you. Hey, call me this week. Gifts and talents. What is it that God has given you that you need to share? Don't harbor your gifts and talents. Share them. What about this one? Number eight, time. Wow. Time. If there's one thing you can't buy and you won't get any more of, it's time. Say that with me. Time. That is so important to share your time. And so many of you do a great job with that. I, I see you going to your connect group and then you're saying, well, why don't we get together Thursday and talk about that? And you're sharing your time. Some people go to the, to the nursing home and, and, and share their time with people who have very little time left. Some people go to the hospital and visit folks who are in need there and, and desperately seeking God for a, a, a healing touch on their bodies. But while they heal and while they're there, someone's there sharing their time. How important and precious time is. And I'll throw this in. How little time we have left. The Bible says we are but a vapor here today and gone tomorrow. What are you doing with your time? Number nine, grief. Similar to hurts. Grief. Have you shared your grief with somebody? It could be part of their healing process. 
You never know what someone else is going through. Share your grief. Sit down and tell them what you've been through. Don't pin that up because not, you can't heal and neither can they if you pin up your grief. Number 10, possessions and money. He said, I knew you were going to get there eventually, Pastor. Share your possessions and your money. I thought about going to Acts and showing us what the first century church did in this respect. Most of you would know that. In short, they sold everything they had and they gave it to the church so they could take care of the poor and the people less fortunate. And the Bible says there was no one in need. That blows me away. There was nobody in need. That's a different mindset. We're used to the people in need. We drive past them all the time. We see them standing there. They're in need. Maybe we hand them a little bit. But there was nobody in need in the first century church. Everyone was taken care of. And so what are you doing with your possessions and your money? In Luke chapter 12, verse 48, it says, To those who much is given, much is required. So you say, well, God's given me an awful lot. Great! I'm happy for you. I love it. He's given me a lot too. I am blessed. What am I doing with those blessings? What am I doing with my possessions that He has allowed me to manage? Do you know that stuff's not yours, right? You know the possessions that you call yours aren't yours, right? You know the money that you handle in your bank account, be it little like mine, or a lot like some of you, is not yours. It belongs to Him. He owns the cattle on a thousand hills. What are you doing with your money? I've got one more. But in order to show you my last point, number 11, I need to take you back to the Old Testament for just a minute. You willing to go there? Deuteronomy. Chapter 24. Verse 19. Deuteronomy. Great book says this. Read this with me. When you are harvesting in your field and you overlook a sheaf, do not go back to get it. Leave it for the foreigner, the fatherless, and the widow, so that the Lord your God may bless you in all the work of your hands. When you beat the olives from your trees, do not go over the branches a second time. Leave what remains for the foreigner, the fatherless, and the widow. When you harvest the grapes in your vineyard, do not go over the vines again. Leave what remains for the foreigner, the fatherless, and the widow. And here's the title to today's sermon. Remember that you were slaves in Egypt. Say that with me. Remember that you were slaves in Egypt. That is why I command you to do this. This was God talking. This is the Lord giving His instructions, His laws to Israel. And He said, you've got a lot. When you go out and harvest your barley, your wheat, your grain in the field, that's what a sheave is. They would pick that, cut it down like this, and they'd lay it in stacks and tie it with a bundle. That's a sheave. Is anybody in the house old enough to remember the song, Bringing in the Sheaves? Oh, hallelujah. I say, when you go out and you pick those up after they've been harvested, if you forget some, Leave them there. Don't go back and pick them up. You might be eating dinner that night and say, man, I forgot to go over to the west side of the field and pick up those sheaves. Don't worry about it. He says, when you harvest your olives 
And they'd go to the tree and they'd shake that thing. And the olives would just fall off. I would imagine they put some kind of skin down to collect them. If they didn't, they should have. That'd be a much better idea. Painter's cloth is what I'd have to use. Shake all the olives off the tree. Shake it one time. Don't shake it twice. You say, well, those are my olives. God said, don't, don't shake it twice. Just leave them out there. You take what falls off the tree. Say, when you go to your vines, you cut down your big old juicy bundles of grapes. If you miss some, don't worry about it. Leave them out there. Do you know what the description of this is? It's God's welfare system. It's part of God's welfare system. He said, you leave that stuff in the field. Why? For the foreigners, the fatherless, the people who don't have, the people who are less fortunate, they're going to come by and they're going to pick that up. This is how God put in place to take care of those people. Now, don't lose me. Don't lose me. We're going to go to Ruth chapter 2. We're going to Ruth chapter 2. Now listen, let me fill you in before you look at that verse on the screen. Don't look at it. They wrote it. This is the story of Naomi who moves away from her home in Bethlehem with her husband and her two boys. There's a famine in the land. She's got to go. And they pick up and they move. And they're in Moab. And they go to Moab and after some time... Her two boys get married and then her husband dies. So now we got Naomi, two boys, two daughter-in-laws. They marry Moabites. They marry people from the land they're in. After some time passes, the two boys die. I don't know what's going on with the boys in Moab. I'm just telling you, there's a problem over there. Father's gone, two boys gone. Now we got Naomi and two daughter-in-laws in a foreign land and Naomi decides it's time to go back to Bethlehem. I don't know why it's Bethlehem. I love it that it's Bethlehem. Doesn't that just do something for you? Because every time you hear Bethlehem, I'm just there with you. I'm, now I'm thinking about Jesus, right? It's Naomi, she says, I got to go back to Bethlehem. I can't stay here. My husband's gone. My boys are gone. I can't have any more kids. And the daughter-in-laws say, we'll go with you. Naomi says, don't go with me. Look at me. I'm not going to get married again, have boys for you to grow up and marry. You might as well go back to your families. And so one of the daughter-in-laws says, okay, I think that's a good idea, and she takes off. But Ruth, Ruth says, and we all know these words, we've heard a message preached on them a million times, wherever you go, I'll go. Whoever your God is, I'll make my God. Who, whoever you serve, I'll serve. And, and Ruth says, I'm, I'm with you, Naomi, wherever you go. And so Naomi and Ruth take off and they go back to Bethlehem. When they arrive in Bethlehem, they don't have anything. I love this. I'm getting chill bumps up here because I love it. I can't wait to get you there. Are you there? Are you, are you following? Don't forget about Deuteronomy. Don't forget about God's law. They get back to Bethlehem. They're hungry. They don't have anything to eat. And Ruth says to Naomi, who's old, I'm going to go out and I'm going to glean some food from a field. Glean. I'm going to go out there and see what's left. Remember the verses out of Deuteronomy? Y'all are starting to pick up. I can feel it. She says, I'm going to go out and I'm going to get what's left in the field. And it just so happens. She goes and finds food left in the field of a man named Boaz. 
Boaz. Boaz just happens to be a relative of Naomi's dead husband. Praise God. She don't know it, but he just happens to be. And she finds food in the field and she brings it back to Naomi. One more jump. Oh, we got to look at the verse in Ruth. Put that back up there. Ruth chapter 2, verse 5. Boaz asked the overseer of the harvesters. Now, Ruth's been in the field picking stuff out of the field. He says, who does that young woman belong to? And the overseer replied, she is a Moabite who came back from Moab with Naomi. She said, please let me glean and gather among the sheaves behind the harvesters. She came into the field and has remained here from morning till now, except for a short rest in the shelter. So Boaz says to Ruth, my daughter, listen to me. Don't go and glean in another field and don't go away from here. Stay here with the women who work for me. Watch the field where the men are harvesting and follow along after the women. I have told the men not to lay a hand on you. She finds favor with Boaz. Was there more to that? Put it back. And whenever you are thirsty, go and get a drink from the water jars the men have filled. At this, she, Ruth, bowed down with her face to the ground. She asked him, why have I found such favor in your eyes that you notice me a foreigner? I haven't lost anybody yet, have I? She's in the field, and Boaz, who's a relative of Naomi's ex-hus- or dead husband, says, who's that? They say, that's Ruth. She came here with Naomi. And he says to Ruth, you can come back anytime. You come and you glean off of my fields any time. This is getting rich. So hang on just one second. We'll make one more jump. Let's go to Matthew. Now I'm in the New Testament for all you can't digest the Old Testament people. Matthew chapter 1. Look at this. This is the genealogy of Jesus the Messiah. Don't miss that. It's verse 1 of chapter 1 of Matthew. We all skip it because we don't care about the genealogy. But listen, this is why it's important. This is the genealogy of Jesus the Messiah, the son of David, the son of Abraham. Abraham was the father of Isaac. Isaac was the father of Jacob. Jacob was the father of Judah and his brothers. Who's with me? Judah, the father of Perez and Zerah, whose mother was Tamar. Perez, the father of Hezron. Hezron, the father of Ram. Ram, the father of Aminadab. Aminadab, the father of Nashon. Nashon, the father of Salmon. Watch this. Salmon, the father of Boaz whose mother was Rahab, go ahead to the next one, Boaz, the father of Obed, whose mother was Ruth. Are you with me? Isn't that amazing? Obed, the father of Jesse, and Jesse, the father of, and we all know the story, he had eight sons, and one of them's name was David. And David was the father of Solomon, whose mother had been Uriah's wife. Listen, 28 generations after... David was Jesus. What's the point to all of that? Here's what lit my fire this week about this. Not only was it that Boaz followed the commandments of God and left food in the field to be gleaned. Not only did Ruth happen upon that field and glean that food from that field, not only did Naomi happened to understand and know that Boaz was a relative of her dead husband. 
But if Boaz had not shared, the genealogy of Jesus Christ would be messed up. Do you understand that? Are you seeing that? It would be messed up. How in the world did Ruth, a Moabite, from a distant land, get herself into the genealogy of Jesus Christ? By sharing man named Boaz. Now I can give you number 11. Number 11 of what you can share is this. We all need to share the gospel of Jesus Christ. Well, we can feed people and clothe people and spend time with people and all of those things are fantastic and wonderful, but we need to share Jesus Christ. That's what we're doing here. You say, well, I don't know what my purpose is. That's your purpose. It's that simple. That's why you're here. Okay, well, I, I'm called to be a mother. Yes, called to be a father. Absolutely, called to be a grandparent, called to be a worker, called to this, that, and the other. In all of those things, you are called to share Jesus Christ. We turn to your neighbor and tell him, I'm called to share Jesus Christ. Do you realize that if Boaz had not had the heart to share in his crops, there wouldn't have been anything left for Ruth when she got there? What if he had decided, this is my grapes, my olives, these are my sheaves. Go get them. Go get those stuff you left behind. When Ruth showed up on the scene, there wouldn't have been anything there. If she had not found anything to glean from the field, she would not have met Boaz and they wouldn't have had a great-grandson named David. If there had been nothing to glean, the entire lineage of Jesus Christ would have been messed up. But there was sharing going on. And that sharing that Boaz did pleased God. And the story continued until Jesus was born in a manger in Bethlehem. And the sharing in this story is the absolute most important thing that any of us could ever possibly share with another human being. We have the one thing that can set captives free, heal the brokenhearted, solve the most demanding issues of our time, and rattle the very gates of hell itself. And His name is Jesus Christ. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes with me? Somewhere along the way in all of that Scripture and all of that stuff linked together, I may have lost you. That would be my fault this morning because I love to teach and I love to get in deep. But if you didn't remember anything, if you're completely confused, but there's one thing that you could go home with today, it is that it is your job to share Jesus Christ. You say, well, I'm not a real theologian. I'm not good with words. I, I, I don't know how to, to start that conversation with people. Well, guess what? I don't either. Sometimes I just have to use whatever it is that God puts in front of me, and sometimes He puts some really weird stuff in front of me to use. But we've got to find a way in this society and in this country and in this world that we live in that is so messed up and so upside down and so confused 
Do you understand the confusion that we live in the midst of? I I heard a, a pastor that I listened to on a podcast this week. He said that there was a publication in England, a magazine in England, that he had uh, information out of. And the article in the, in the magazine in England said that an observation on America was that everyone's either going way further towards the right or way further towards the left. And the middle ground is becoming less and less evident. That makes us radical. That, that confuses the issue. That's why we've got so many people who are seeking something, but they don't even know what they're seeking. They're worshiping something, but they don't even know what they're worshiping. They're they're longing for something, but they don't even know what they're longing for. And we have the answer. And His name is Jesus. The answer is not a different president or a new president. The answer is not a different political party. The answer is not a new law passed or less laws passed. The answer is Jesus Christ. And the furtherance of the gospel of Jesus Christ is up to you and me to share it. You realize that? It's not just up to me because I've been appointed to be part of this church as a pastor. It's up to you and me because you have been appointed for such a time as this also. I want you to feel that with impact this morning, if you can. That this isn't for somebody else. This isn't for a different crowd. This isn't for the people across the room. I don't want you to assume someone else is doing this job this morning. I want you to leave here taking it in that this is your job. When the Lord put those laws in place and said, leave those crops in the field, it was the people who had a crop who he was talking to. And you have a crop this morning. And the biggest, juiciest, morsel that you have in your crop to share with somebody else is Jesus Christ. So there's a couple things going on here this morning. One, you may not know who Jesus is. You may have never dedicated your life to Jesus. You never made Him Lord of your life. And something is stirring inside of you right now and you just don't know what it is. It's the Holy Spirit of God pulling on you, coaxing you, to come to Him. And I promise you this, if you'll respond this morning, He will respond to you. I have never seen my God let anybody down. So I'll just ask quickly before we end our time together during this part of the service, is there anybody in the house that would be bold enough this morning to raise a hand and say, I need to know Jesus? Just pop it up so I can see it. Anybody. Nobody's looking around. It's just me and you. Awesome. So what about this thing of sharing? All those things that we talked about that we could be sharing, the first 10, great. Maybe we need to work on some of those. Maybe we need to give more time, more money, more talents, more treasures, more of our heart. Maybe we need to give some conversations this week that we've been holding back on. But let me ask you about number 11. When's the last time you shared Jesus Christ with somebody? Folks, this is what we're here to do. 
And we are the ambassadors of Jesus Christ. We are the ones who he has charged to leave that in the field and let someone come and get it from our life. So if I could see a show of hands across the room that just say, Pastor, count me in on this prayer time. I need to do a better job sharing Jesus Christ. My hand's up. I see oh, hands all over the place. Nothing to be ashamed of. My hand's up too. I need to do a better job. I realized this morning, this is what I'm here for. I've been called, I've been appointed to share Jesus Christ with everybody. Well, they might look at me weird if I mention His name. It doesn't matter. Time is running out. Are you willing to play and let it go to chance? I'm not. And so as I pray for all of us who raised our hands this morning, I would ask that everyone stand across this room, whether you raised your hand or not. I'm going to offer up a prayer to our God on our behalf, but I want you to pray too. This is not the Scott Show. This is your time with your God. Whatever He's doing inside of you, whatever He's working on inside of you, you talk to Him about it. I'm going to give you 15 seconds to get going. Go ahead. Go now. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. God, the one thing that you made me start with today was the fact that some of us are playing games and we're not serious about our relationship with you. So God, I pray for those that haven't been following you in the, in the way that you desire for them. God, I, I ask that you would do whatever it takes and that's strong right there, God. I don't know what I'm praying when I say that, but I ask that you would do whatever it takes to bring that person or those people back into the fold. Don't, don't let them keep falling, God. You have called them by name today. They are here with a purpose. I pray that you'll give them courage and boldness to repent of their sins, repent of their sins and come back to the foot of the cross today. Don't let them leave this place, God. I, we've played too long. We have waited too long. We have waited to see what some other people or some other folks are going to do. Today it's about me and you, God. That's it. We battled this thing out, and I told you I didn't want to say that to these people, but you said say it anyway. So it's for somebody God, people all across this room raised their hand and said, I need to do a better job with the main purpose that you have called us and put us on this planet. And that is to share who your son is. So God, I repent this morning in front of all these people that I haven't done a good job at that. I've missed opportunities. I've purposely walked past opportunities. There's been times when it was the perfect opportunity, God, and I failed you. I failed to open my mouth and say, well, Jesus could help you with that. It's that simple. So God, I, 
I ask you to forgive me. I ask you to forgive all of these who are here this morning of the sin that we committed in not opening our mouths and not sharing the simple gospel of Jesus Christ. Children can understand this. This doesn't have to be hard. We don't have to be theologians. We don't have to be smart. We have to be willing vessels, God. So make me a willing vessel today. Put your words in my mouth. Help me to understand the opportunities when they come. And God, give me your courage and your boldness. God, give them your courage and your boldness to say the name of Jesus. Can we practice that right now in this safe setting? Can we just say Jesus? Just speak His name. There's power in the name of Jesus. See, we're scared what somebody's going to think. If we, if we bring it up, they're going to call us radical. Well, so what? I'm radical this morning because I don't want to see people die and go to hell. I, I want to see people come to the knowledge of Jesus Christ so that their soul is saved and so that they can break the addictions, so that they can get themselves straight, so that relationships can be restored. That's what I want so deeply and so bad this morning. So Lord, would you do that for us? We're just humble people. We don't know how to ask any more than we're asking right now. Just do it. We open ourselves up to your work in our lives, God. Help us to share more. We're a greedy, selfish people, God. Forgive us of that. Help us to share every aspect of our lives. Thank you for the heart of Boaz, God, who, who left those crops in the field so Ruth could come find them, so David could be born, so 28 generations later, Jesus could be born for me. Just thank you, God, for your blessings on us today. Thank you that you're not mad at us and that you're not looking to strike us down. You've, you've given us today to lift our hands, lift our voices, to worship you one more time, to, to repent, to say we're sorry, and then to seek your face. Thank you for your word, God, that changes people's lives. You are worthy to be praised. Worthy to be praised evermore. Would you worship with us one more time before we leave? Thank you for tuning into this week's message. For more information about Connections Church, you can go to connectionschurch.church or follow us on Facebook and Instagram.